Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're with us. And also, good morning to the people that are watching online. If you're watching online, would you write something in the comments that, so that we know that you're worshiping with us? I want to let everybody know our missions team has been hard at work again. As you know, they fed Gadsden Regional uh, a couple weeks ago. This week, uh, we brought some food over to Riverview to feed all the healthcare workers that are working with uh, COVID patients. Uh, we also moved our Camp Sumatanga workday. We've rescheduled it because of uh, bad weather last time. It's been rescheduled for March 13th uh, from 9 to 3. So if, you're, if you were signed up on that previous one, come and join us again. Um, or you can sign up new and, and come and join us. It's going to be great. The ELC keeps having new babies. It's awesome. We have a rose on the altar for Lucy Jane Langston. So that is awesome. If you know them, send them a big congratulations. This past Wednesday, we had Cupcake Wars up in the gym uh, with the youth and the children. It, Catherine, it was intense. It was like being at the Food Network. It was great. It was great. Uh, as you know, kids and youth are continually uh, meeting on Wednesdays at 6, and they have an awesome time. Uh, also, want to let you know we have some great things coming back in person. Harriet Murray's Wednesday night Bible study class is coming back in person, spreading out with masks and all that, and it's great. I hear Harriet Murray's class is up there with Pastor Sam's. Is that true? It's close. It's close. It's a close tie. Um, we still have some Zoom uh, small groups going on, but um, next Sunday, Pathfinder Sunday School class is coming back as well with some social distancing and masks and along with Martin Fellowship class. So some of the classes are coming back in person, but we still have a lot of online options, so be sure to join us for those. My last announcement is this. Um, on Palm Sunday, March 28th at 10 a.m., so don't come at 9. You want to make sure you come at 10. It's going to be a combined service out at the amphitheater, uh, which is going to be fantastic. So invite your friends. It's going to be great. It's spread out. We're going to be outside. And Jay, are you going to get us some good food out there too, maybe? We're working on it. We might even have food out there. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Loving God, we are so thankful we are able to worship on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, right now, we ask that you will calm our hearts and our minds and help us focus on you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. rise and fall Kingdoms when strong now shaken we trust forever in your name the name of Jesus we trust the name of Jesus you are the only king Oh, we trust the name of Jesus. 
Well, good morning. I hope that song has awakened your heart to praise this morning. It's good to see you, and I'm glad that you're worshiping with us. If you're at home today, I hope you have a great big cup of coffee and that your heart is awakened to praise, too. We feel connected to you. We have an awesome children's ministry here, and now Miss Catherine is going to, to take our children's to children's church, our children's to children's church. Um, and I want to take this moment to say thank you for supporting your church and continue to do so, please. Um, we, have, we have offering plates at the front and the back entrance. If you're, if you're here in the sanctuary, you can drop your offering there. You can always send your offering online. And we are thankful for you supporting your church the way that you do. We also pray for each other. That's one of our big things. You might notice, uh, I don't know if you can see from the camera, we have, we have prayer blankets up here on the altar today. Our prayer team does these prayer blankets and they say, um, F-U-M-C of Gaston, the covering of Psalm 91. If you wanna know what that means, read Psalm 91 today and, and let that be your covering. We deliver, we're going to pray over these. Pastor Andy and I are going to pray over these. And then our prayer team is going to deliver them to people who need to feel like they're wrapped up in prayer. Uh, so if you know of somebody that you think would like one of these prayer blankets from our prayer team, then, and to know that they're uh, wrapped in our prayers, you just let us know, okay? Let us know and we'll be glad to, uh, to make that happen. Pastor Andy, will you come up here and join me? And at home, will you join me too? We're going to pray um, for all of those who need a little extra covering in prayer, uh, including you, including your needs. We're going to lift them up to, to God right now. Pray with me. Gracious God, we thank you for your blessings that cover us. We thank you for your grace that covers us. Thank you for your forgiveness, for your love, for your mercy that endures forever. We thank you for being our provider, for going before us and making a way. And Lord, we thank you for pro providing uh, healing, for providing strength and comfort, for giving us just what we need to meet the challenges of this new day. We give our lives to you. We give our tithes and offerings to you. We rest our hope in you today. Pour out your spirit now on those who are worshiping here, pour out your spirit upon these blankets. May they be a reminder to everyone who, who receives them that they are loved. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I'm so thankful for our praise team because honestly it's just amazing to have the the, this praise music just wash over me. That's what it feels like a lot of times. And it feels that way in our 11 o'clock service too. To the, the old hymns of the faith just wash over me. Uh, today in our 11 o'clock service. And yes, I'm inviting you, if you're worshiping with us, to, to come back. Just, just double dip today, okay? Uh, because we have a, a quartet that's going to sing an anthem today that's going to knock your socks off at 11 o'clock. I'm telling you, it's going to be great. Um, it's a privilege to worship with you today. We're going to look at Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. And I invite you to follow along with me. Mark 8, 31 through 38. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. He said all of this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When our kids were little, we had this old green minivan and uh, that green minivan will always hold a special place in my heart because it, it lasted for years. It carted all five of us around to, uh, I mean, back and forth to the kids to school, to uh, ball fields, to piano lessons, uh, on vacations everywhere. That old green van never complained. It always just did its job and took a lot of abuse over the years. And when it finally came time to get rid of our old green minivan, uh, we had a friend that, that's a car dealer, and he, he goes to auto auctions two or three times a week, and he said, I think I can sell your minivan for you. So we said, great. And he took our green minivan to an auto auction, and he came back, and he said, good news, I, I sold your van. And I said, okay, great. And I said, who bought our van? Because I, I was still a little bit, you know, I wanted it to go to a good home. And he said, well, this guy, I know he's a, he's a 300 pound man named Bino. He bought, he bought your van. And somehow that still makes me smile to think about um, this great big guy named Bino driving around in our old minivan. And my prayer is, Bino, if you're out there, I hope you're doing fine, and I hope the minivan is still going. I just feel like it is. I feel like it's still going strong. That minivan was the greatest thing ever when we were going on vacations. I remember um, one trip that we made to the mountains, and uh, we were blasting up the interstate in the minivan, and we had to make a stop because... Well, let's see, the call of nature was strong inside for more than one person inside of our minivan. So it happened to be one of those stretches on the interstate in Tennessee where there's just very little there and you're just looking for an exit. And we found an exit and at this exit, I mean, we had to stop. At this exit, there was only one little gas station and we whipped into that gas station. We unbuckled the kids out of their car seats. We traipsed into the gas station, and there was a woman there who was probably bored out of her mind. She was reading a magazine, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, where are your restrooms? 
And she didn't even look up from her magazines. She said, we ain't got but one, and it's out of order. And so what I wanted to do was reach across the counter and snatch the bathroom key off of the wall and say, I'll show you out of order. And I didn't do that, though. I mean, I wanted to do that because, you know. But what we actually did was take the kids, buckle them back in the van, and pray hard. And, I mean, I put the pedal to the metal till we got to the next. We made it. Okay, the, the story ends well. We made it. It was okay. Out of order, though. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you really needed something only to find that something was out of order? You know, you were hungry and you went to the snack machine out of order. Or you really wanted uh, a Diet Coke and you go to the machine and it's out of order or the water fountain's out of order. You know, or you don't feel like walking up the stairs but the elevator is out of order. Or you really got to go and look, this can be crisis level. You're, you, you've got to go and the, and the restroom's out of order. You got to, I don't know, run off in the woods or something like Daniel Boone did. Um, out of order. If you look in the dictionary, Merriam-Webster's online dictionary, you will find three different definitions for the phrase out of order. And what I want us to do today is to look at this passage from Mark chapter 8 and kind of look at it through the lens of those three definitions for being out of order. The first definition is this, not working properly and not able to be used. As in, excuse me, ma'am, where are your restrooms? I'm sorry, they're out of order. So when something's not working properly, when something can't really be used like it's supposed to, then it's out of order. And I want to say that the Apostle Peter's mind was out of order that day when he was having this conversation with Jesus. His mind was out of order. And I always say, God bless the Apostle Peter because he reminds me so much of me and us so much of us. So the thing is, Peter had been on a roll. He really had. He, he had just made his famous declaration at Caesarea Philippi when Jesus said, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. And then Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter makes this great confession. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And it, I, I just... I don't know. Just I think about Family Feud. Ding, 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 ding. Good answer. I mean, because that's it was just perfect. But then, but then, as they're going along, they're they're walking along, and Jesus begins to teach them what kind of Messiah he is, what it means that he is the Messiah. It's not the Messiah that some have expected. Jesus said, "Look, I'm going to suffer greatly." I'm going to be rejected by all the religious experts. I'm going to be killed. And after three days, I'm going to rise again. He told them this just straight up, right to their face. And then Peter, clearly with his mind out of order, takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him. Okay, just let that sink in. Peter rebukes. Jesus, what was he thinking? Actually, I think Peter was actually being used as a part of the devil's second great temptation for Jesus. After important milestones in Jesus, at important places in Jesus' life, Jesus has this temptation. We saw it last week. Jesus was baptized, and you know, the heavens opened up, and and the Spirit came in like a dove, and the Father's voice from heaven says, You're my beloved Son. You're my beloved Son. Just hold on to that. You're my Son. I love you. And then Jesus goes straight out into the wilderness, and the temptation always starts like this. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you are the Son of God, you see? 
The temptation is to be something other than who you are. And now, the devil's using Jesus' best friend, Peter, to offer another temptation. You don't have to do what you think you have to do. You don't have to walk the way of the cross. There's got to be some other way. No, Jesus, you don't have to do this. You can avoid that suffering. And then Jesus says something to his best friend that's really harsh. He says, get behind me, Satan, because your mind is not set on godly things. Your mind is set on human things. Your mind's out of order, Peter. Because, you see, there was no way of avoiding the way of the cross for Jesus. And as we follow Jesus, as we think about walking with Jesus during these 40 days of Lent, we have to understand that there's no way for us to avoid the way of the cross. Jesus said as much. After he rebuked Peter, he called the crowd together, and he called the other disciples together, and he just wanted to get things clear. He said, if anyone wants to be my follower... Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Well, that's not exactly the pep talk you want to give if you're trying to get more followers, is it? Instead of gathering more followers and more followers, Jesus was thinning the herd, really. But at least no one could ever say that Jesus gave false advertising. He didn't sugarcoat anything. It kind of reminds me, I'm a history buff. Any of y'all history buffs? It reminds me of, wow, I'm the only one. Y'all um, must be mathematicians or something. I, I, I couldn't do that, but I loved history. And I think about World War II history. I think about Winston Churchill in, in 1940 when he was addressing the House of Commons. And he said this, I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, sweat, and tears. I have nothing to offer you but blood, toil, sweat, and tears. Can you imagine a politician saying that today? <laughs> no, I'm promising you the moon and the stars. Well, here's the question for us today. Are our minds out of order when it comes to following Jesus? Do we have our minds set on a path that asks nothing of us and therefore means nothing to us? Or are we responding to Jesus' call to deny ourselves and to take up our cross because Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to walk the way of the cross. The second definition in Merriam-Webster's online dictionary about out of order says it's not following proper procedure as in a judge in a courtroom ruling that somebody is out of order. So think for a minute. Who gets to make that determination that something's out of order? Not all the, you know, people sitting out in the courtroom watching. They can't stand up and say you're out of order. The jury can't do it. You know, even the, even the attorneys can't, can't tell somebody they're out of order. Just the judge gets to tell somebody that they're out of order. James 4.12 says, There's only one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and to destroy. And we know that that's Jesus. And then he goes on to say in James 4.12, Who are you to judge your neighbor? In other words... The role of judge has already been filled, and it's not filled by me, and it's not filled by you. And so Jesus is the only one that gets to say, you're out of order. Not only was Peter's mind out of order, Peter's mouth was out of order. Can you relate? I can. Peter's mouth was out of order. It wasn't his place, you see. It wasn't his place to tell Jesus where to go. It wasn't his place to tell Jesus what to do. You know who else loved to tell Jesus where to go and what to do and what not to do? The Pharisees. They, they were all the time doing that. Jesus, 
you, you, you can't heal somebody on the Sabbath. And Jesus would say, well, yeah, I can because I'm also the Lord of the Sabbath. And they would say, Jesus, you can't tell somebody your sins are forgiven. And Jesus said, well, just so you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, I can do that. And in fact, rise, take up your mat, and go home. Or they said, Jesus, you and your followers, y'all are not washing your hands the right way before you eat. You're defiling yourself. And Jesus said, no, it's not what goes into your inward being that defiles you. It's what comes out of your heart that defiles you. You see, we don't get to say to Jesus, you do this, you go here. We don't get to say, church, we are out of order, church, when we try to tell Jesus who he can save and who can be a part of his church and where we want to go and where he can go. You see, our job is to follow, to follow, not, not the other way around. And then the third definition of out of order is not right and proper. In other words, when something is just out of place, like, you, like you've got something alphabetized and you've got M coming before L, it's, it's out of order. To illustrate this, I, I want you to picture in your mind what's happening the day that Jesus and Peter had this conversation. Jesus is walking along. Sometimes we think about Jesus doing his teaching with people sitting in front of him in rows. And most of the time, Jesus was doing his teaching and they're walking from one place to the other. Or they're getting in a boat and they're going across the sea or whatever. So they're walking along. Jesus is, is maybe looking over his shoulder and he's telling them that he's going to have to suffer greatly. He's telling them he's going to be rejected by the chief priests and the elders. He's telling them he's going to be killed. And that three days later, he's going to rise again. So they're back there. Jesus is up here. And now all of a sudden, Peter takes Jesus by the sleeve, I guess, and pulls him aside. Are you picturing that in your mind? So Peter, who has been following, now does something different. He's out of place. Instead of following Jesus, he's pulling Jesus aside. So if, if, if Jesus is not leading, then our walk is out of order. You see, our minds can be out of order, our mouths can be out of order, and our very walk can be out of order. Because what it means to be a disciple it means to follow Jesus. How can we tell if we're following Jesus? If we're going where Jesus went. One of our, our former bishop, Bishop Will Williman, used to tell a story um, about a time when he was, before he was our bishop, he was dean of the chapel at Duke University. Um, and they were scheduled to have a speaker come into the chapel that week that's one of my all-time favorite preachers and speakers, Tony Campolo. And I know Pastor Andy loves Tony Campolo. Maybe you've heard of Tony Campolo, uh, if read some of his books or heard him speak or anything. He's fantastic, very provocative. But he was coming to speak at Duke Chapel, and a few days before Tony Campolo was supposed to come speak, um, Bishop Williman tells the story that he gets a knock on his door uh, and this young Duke student uh, says, um, I, will, I was wondering if I can make an introduction for Dr. Campolo before he speaks in chapel this week. I'd like to say something uh, about Dr. Campolo. And Bishop Williman, naturally suspicious, says, say something like what? Okay, because, you know, who knows? And the young man 
told his story. He said, I worked with Tony Campolo um, last summer in, in Philadelphia. But I was a new Christian, and I was real excited, and I wanted to do something, and I heard Dr. Campolo speak, and I was just inspired by his work in inner-city Philadelphia. And I wanted to be a part of that. So in mid-June, I gathered with about 100 other college-age students in this Baptist church in inner-city Philadelphia, and we had this, this great services about an hour of singing and we were all clapping and singing and then and then Dr. Campolo came in and he preached and we were all just up here you know we were just inspired and so at the end of it Tony Campolo looked at us and said all right gang are you ready to go and tell them about Jesus and we said, yes. And he said, I can't hear you. Are you ready to go tell him? About yes. Okay, everybody's. He said, then let's go get on the buses. They had buses out front. So they, they go out the church and they get on the buses. And they start heading to this place where they're going to, to be in ministry in inner city of Philadelphia. And the young man says, on our bus, we were still clapping and singing, right? We're still fired up. And we're just clapping and singing on the bus. I don't know if you've ever done that. It's fun, right? But he said, the more we went, the deeper we went to inner city Philadelphia, the worse and worse and worse the neighborhood became. And the worse and worse the neighborhood became, the lower and lower our level of enthusiasm got to the point that we quit singing at all. And we just stared out the window. And we were really kind of scared. By the time we pulled up in front of, of this really decrepit looking high rise in the inner city Philadelphia, the worst housing project in Philadelphia, um, we sat there on the bus for a while and pretty soon he said Dr. Campolo came on and said, all right gang, let's get out there and tell them about Jesus. I'll be back at five o'clock to pick you up. And then he went and he got on the next bus and he said, we all just offloaded on that bus and, and we, we gathered in a little tight huddle on the sidewalk and we started praying, you know, that God would help us. And he said, I was scared to death. So he said, I, I went into this one high rise tenement building and he said, it, it looked awful and it smelled awful when you walked in the doors you smelled like you know body odor and fried food it just it said it was bad I went up the stairwell because the elevator was out of order went up to the first floor and I came to the first door and I didn't know how how to do this so I, I heard some noises from inside I heard this baby screaming and the mom yelling and I knocked on the door and said a little prayer and then from inside came a voice that said, who is it? Real rude like. And the door opened a crack and this woman had a baby on one hand that was crying and a cigarette in the other hand and she said, what do you want? And I stumbled around a little bit, he said, and I said, ma'am, I, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And that young man said, that that woman cussed him all the way down the hall and all the way down the steps and out onto the street. And he said, I got out there and I sat down on the curb and I put my head in my hands and I thought, I, I am possibly the worst Christian ever. <laughs> I am I'm definitely out of my league here. And he said, I just, I just cried because I, I didn't know what to do. I felt like such a failure, you know. So um, he said across the street was a, a little mini mart, right? And it was one of those deals where um, it, it's kind of scary looking and there's bars on the windows, right? Some of the windows are boarded up because they're broken, but there's bars on the windows. He said, I went in this little mini mart and uh, I saw a, um, a place where they had diapers, right? And he had noticed that the woman had the baby on the hip, um, 
the baby didn't have diaper on. So he said, at least I could get her some diapers. So he bought a pack of diapers that he thought would fit the baby. He takes it up to the counter. And as he's about to check out, the person says, will there be anything else? And he saw the cigarettes behind the worker's head. And he said, just, oh, what the heck? Give me a pack of the cigarettes. So he got a pack of cigarettes and a pack of diapers. And he went back into the high-rise and went up the stairs and went to the door again. Baby's still crying, still hears the noise from inside. Knocks on the door. She opens the door, still got the baby, still got the cigarette. What do you want? And he just hands the diapers and the cigarettes through the door to her. Doesn't say anything, just hands them the diapers and the cigarettes. And she looks at him, and she looks at the diapers and cigarettes, and she says, come on in. And so he comes in, and she says, sit down there. And so he sits on this ratty-looking couch. And over the course of the afternoon, he ends up spending most of the afternoon. He, he plays with the, the baby. He said, for the first time in my life, I, I, I changed a diaper he said, I actually helped change the diaper on this. And I listened to this woman's story, and, and she just talked. And she just really kind of seemed glad to have somebody to talk to. We just talked about life and everything else. And finally, after about an hour or so, she looked at me, and she said, what's a nice college kid like you doing in a place like this? And he said, ma'am, I just came here to tell you about Jesus. And she said, well, go ahead then. And he said, I, I told her everything I knew about Jesus. It took about five minutes <laughs> because at that point I didn't really know a whole lot. And she said, at the end of it, will you pray with me so that me and my baby can live long enough to get out of here? And so he did. And so that evening when they all got back together on the buses and Dr. Campolo came on each bus to kind of get a little feedback from the kids, he said, okay, gang, did any of y'all get to tell somebody about Jesus today? And some others get told their experience. And he said, I stood up and I said, you know, I didn't just get to tell somebody about Jesus. I really got to see Jesus. And I, I went out to save somebody, and I ended up becoming a disciple. I just love that story, y'all. I love it just, well, because it's more than just a story. I love it because it's about getting something in order that a lot of times we get out of order. Because we think discipleship is about I don't know, reading a book or something, but it's actually about following. It's about going where Jesus went and saying what Jesus said and doing what Jesus did and listening to the heart of Jesus as we see it revealed in Scripture. And if we're not doing that, then we're out of order. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for showing us the way by, by your life, by revealing to us the fullness of who God is in bodily form. We thank you, Lord, that we have a chance to, to see what you said and to see what you did and to know inside of us by the work of your Holy Spirit when we are in step with you and when we're not. So, Lord, our prayer today is that you would reorder us, reorder our minds when they're not fixed on godly things, reorder our mouths when we say things that don't look anything like what you would say, reorder our steps, Lord, when we're going our own selfish ways and not following the way of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. 
アメン
And so now, what about it, gang? Are you ready to get out there and go and tell them about Jesus? Just go follow him. In Christ's name, amen.